Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how's your week been? Um, it's been busy. All the weeks are rolling into one at the moment, Bryce. So when you asked me then, I was thinking, what did I do this week? I can't really remember. Um, oh, it's Champions League week and Europa League. Yeah, I've had a very busy week. Yeah, um, yeah, it's been good. Thank you. How's yeah, you? it just, just seems like game after game at the moment. It's it's great, really. Yeah, and we're it? not even in December yet, so we're it's going to get even worse. <laughs> yes, it is. Well, we're going to have the winter break, I suppose, but not for another few weeks. Joining Chris and I, as always, but um, as last week, he's across the water, he's actually in Europe, is Manu Bet. Manu, how have you been? Uh, yeah, as you said, like there's been a lot of games, so I've been to, I want to say four in the last five days. That sounds right, doesn't it? You want me to count them? <laughs> I think that's... It's been a few. <laughs> yeah, it's been a few. <laughs> <laughs> but really, busy. you should have gone to five. Yeah, no, we, we thank you Gladbach for not accrediting us. Uh, I have to really say it. But yeah, it should have been five. We missed that one, unfortunately. But you know what? Köln did. So um, that was good. And then, of course, we had that midweek game uh, in Basel. Fantastic city and fantastic club as well. I really enjoyed that one. It's been a brand new experience. I've never been to a Swiss club before and I really enjoyed it. It seems, to be, it seems like you're having a great time which is uh, which is fantastic and uh, good for all of the fans of the Football Grad Network. But let's uh, jump into one of the games that you uh, went to uh, over the weekend and that was Hanover versus Stuttgart. This was the Friday night game which ended 1-1. Both the promoted sides having a fairly good season. And Manu, what was the game like? And, well, you know, are, are these two typically promoted sides, would you describe them as? I, I think they're a little bit more than that, aren't they? I mean, they're both, well, German football giants, really. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed this game, actually, and I enjoyed the atmosphere in Hannover, too. I know there's there is some issues between the ultras and the ownership, and, of course, you know, uh, the whole controversy with Martin Kitt Kent, the uh, president taking over the club or having now put in motion the takeover of the club. And this is, of course, the DFL rules of the 50 plus one rule allow you to become the majority owner if you have invested continuously for 20 plus years, which has been the case as of this year for Martin Kent. So there is a bit of a conflict between the ultras and the, I guess, soon ownership of the club. And uh, you could sense that a little bit. So the ultras, the first few minutes of every game they boycott um the they do an atmosphere boycott as they call it but you know but despite this i thought it was a really fascinating game to watch and the atmosphere is really good the hdi arena i think is one of the more underrated facilities in germany you know it fits fifty thousand people it's a beautiful facility it's fantastic to watch football there and the city of Hannover is is a great city too you can walk from downtown to the stadium and there's lots of little beer pubs and breweries and, you know, Kneipen, as they say in Germany. And I, I thought that, that was a really good atmosphere. And the game itself was good, too. You know, it doesn't look like two promoted sides. And both teams have put significant money into 
the squad and they both play in a 3-4-3 system that of course in a 3-4-3 system if you have to have two teams playing each other again uh, in that formation you you get a lot of open play and um they both play really quickly through midfield and that makes it very enjoyable and i mean chris both those teams beat borussia dortmund already this year so you know they're not poor sides at all no, they're not. And I really enjoyed the Friday night game. Thought it was a good start to the weekend. Um, I'm not sure we're going to get into that, but that's probably not the greatest marker stick you want to use at the moment, saying a team beat Borussia Dortmund when they've been dreadful. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that Hanover and Stuttgart have got off to the start that they did. Um, but I suppose we shouldn't really be that surprised because of the squad they've got in, in both um, teams. have got good squad in depth and they've both got good... Um, head coaches as well so yeah it was it was a very very enjoyable game I think it probably set the tone because Saturday was a was a barnstormer wasn't it yeah it was and it did set the tone I think this is actually something in general I noticed we've complained a little bit in the beginning of the season and I think um, a lot of that stemmed from the poor showing in the Europa League and the Champions League of German sides that the league has lost a little bit of quality but i actually think in the last couple of weeks that quality has increased significantly the football has gotten a lot better over the last two three weeks and i think this weekend and especially there's a lot of teams are playing better football and uh, it's showing and it's showing throughout the standings yeah that's it and it almost uh, creates a bit of inconsistency doesn't it with the uh the different uh results uh throughout the league because everything's so tight and quite fascinating um Chris, looking at these two sides, I mean, we, we spoke uh, in previous weeks about um, how good a season they're both having. Where do you see them both finishing, uh, you know, come the end of the season? And, you know, have they now got to the stage of the season and they thought, let's try and push for Europe, for example, rather than just stay in the league? I don't think either of these two sides can do that. Not with, I mean, let's just look who's at the top. Obviously, Bayern are at the top. Then we've got Leipzig, Schalke, Gladbach, Dortmund, Leverkusen, and Hoffenheim. I mean, that's the top seven. So I can't see anyone really breaking into that top seven um, at the moment. I think they're the seven best teams in the league. And it will probably be those seven teams in a random order from second down to seventh. And it, and it could be any order at the moment because um, they seem to be flitting from week to week. So. Bearing that aside, I think Hanover are currently 10th and, and Stuttgart are 12th, and that would be very respectable for both sides who were promoted last season to finish mid-table. Um, I, I don't think they would be unhappy with that. Uh, I would hate to see one of them um, go down. Um, I can't really see Stuttgart or probably even Hanover joining the likes of Hamburg and Freiburg down at the moment. I think Bremen and, and Cologne are just in real deep trouble. Um, so in answer to your question, Bryce, I think they're going to stay whereabouts they are. So anywhere between 10th and 13th at the end of the season could be considered good for the pair of them. You know, this is this is actually something that's really become noticeable now in the last few weeks is that there is no weak side in this in this Bundesliga right now. Even Köln that are all the way down at the bottom. We're talking. We're going to talk about them in a moment a bit more. They have they don't have a poor side. It's just that the league is very very competitive right now. I mean Bayern are losing games um, on a regular basis this season as well, and it's because they the two sides that went up are two big sides. So there is no natural team that everyone beats up on. I mean yes, Köln everyone beats up on Köln right now, but no one would have predicted that ahead of the season, right? So it's a, it's a bit of a it's a it's a it's a league that is very even right now because all the teams that are in it are very strong and because of that 
it's it's harder for even for big sites like Hannover and Stuttgart that got promoted to break into the very top, like Freiburg did last year, for example. Yeah, I think if you look across the league, you do have uh, Dortmund, Schalke, Bayern Munich, and Hoffenheim, all big sides all drop points this weekend so I think that just goes to show how competitive things are at the moment but yes let's speak a little bit uh, about Hanover uh, and about Cologne we're going to talk about sporting director Hortz Held from uh, Hanover um, he previously played uh, in midfield for Cologne and Stuttgart actually uh, but um, he, it seems like he may be going to Cologne Manu uh, what's what's the reaction in Hanover here and is this a done deal or is it just rumours Oh no, it's definitely not a rumor. <laughs> Horst Hell told us this much that it isn't. Um, he told that he wants to talk to Köln and Kind, Martin Kind is letting him talk to Köln. But Kind also said today that um, Held is staying 1000% in Hannover. Now, of course, 1000% in football means not that much. Um, the word is that I've learned in Hannover is that Hannover won 2.5 million euros from Köln if they want to get held as a sporting director. That's a lot of money for someone who doesn't play football anymore, right? Uh, we're talking basically um, a director getting paid out from to move from one club to another. But um, yeah, Held really wants to go to Köln. That's his city. It's, he's he's born and raised there. He played for Kölle, uh, for the FC, as they say, around here for quite some time. And and he wants to go back. He said in interviews in the past that one of his dreams is to build something in Köln. And, you know, it is remarkable because he's done a very, very good job in Hannover to uh, build a team that's very competitive. Um, in his, I think he was five years in Schalke and four out of those five years, that team reached the Champions League. So, you know, he's done a very good job in the past with different teams. He, of course, you know, when he was the sporting director at Stuttgart, Stuttgart won their last title. So, you know, he is he is someone who is maybe even underestimated a little bit. And um, that makes him a hot commodity. So Köln really want him. Hostel wants to move there. Hannover is, of course, saying no. But uh, I talked to someone in Hannover who was quite well networked. And uh, it, they was, he was saying, basically, it's just a matter of money and that if, Köln would pay 2.5 million euros, they would get the man. Because the problem is, of course, if you say no to Horst Held and he wants to go, that's really not going to work either, right? Because you're going to have basically theater from now till the end of the winter break. And um, Köln, of course, need to make massive changes during the winter break and they need to have a sporting director to do so. So I can, I can see... Um, right now, this is all more or less a poker game. So Martin Kent saying he's staying 1,000%. I'm not sure if that really meets 1,000%. It'll be easier for him to build a house, I think, than build a team in Cologne, if, if that's what he's aiming to do. Uh, but uh, let's go to you, Chris. And just uh, I want to ask that, uh, 2.5 million, you're to bring in a sporting director. You know, is the sporting director worth that type of money? I mean, what all... Type- you know, is involved in the role of a sporting director. You know, can he change a club's fortunes? That's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, I think he can um, if he was to come in because he, he's got the time. That's probably why they want that sort of money because they know how desperate Cologne are. And if he comes in within the next few days or the next week or so, um, he's able to get his teeth into a project to rebuild over the winter break. So, you know, he can help um, direct the club off the field in the correct way. Obviously, it'll be up to the coach to coach, but the sporting director will do everything else. He'll look at player recruitment, he'll look at player retention, he'll look at player ins and outs. Um, and don't forget, we've got a four-week break uh, coming up. So in those four weeks, someone as 
as well known and as well versed um, as Hess could could do a lot for Cologne in those four weeks, which is probably why they're very keen. And being so keen, I suppose Hanover hold all the keys, don't they, to, to letting them go. And I mean, you can say, is he worth 2.5 million euros? But I think he will be if, if he comes in, he gets to do what he needs to do over this uh, winter break, and then he can rebuild again in the summer and somehow Cologne stay up. I think that's worth 2.5 million euro of anyone's money. And Manu, obviously Chris has just explained what exactly his role would be and you know, how the money would be well spent. But, I mean, how good is he at his role? How, how successful has he been at the previous clubs that he's been at? He's been at Hanover. Uh, he's been at, at Stuttgart as mm. well and Schalke. You know, is is he known as, as one of the better sporting directors out there? I, I think he is. He was underrated for a long time. But look, he, he, when he was the sporting director at Stuttgart, they won the championship. When he was sporting director at Schalke, they reached the Champions League in every single year except for one. And in that year, they still managed the Europa League. And he was let go. And the year after, when Christian Heidel, this highly rated sporting director, of course, they're doing well now. But in the first year under Christian Heidel, they finished outside of the European places. So, you know, he's, he gets the job done. At Hannover, he came in halfway through the season. Uh, last year, of course and uh, made the changes necessary and brought in the coach, Andre Breitenreiter, that guided him back to the Bundesliga. And then he he, he purchased the, the kind of players that now got Hannover to do as well as they do. You know, someone like Ilas Bebo, fantastic signing. Jonathan's signing from Rubin Kazan that no one had on his radar. And, um, you know, he gets, he's very good at putting together teams. And given the right amount of money, and the, the connection that he has, he can do the exact same thing in Köln. So, yes, I think he's absolutely worth it. And I think it's actually kind of funny that you no know, no one in the past has, has mentioned his name. The, the funny thing is, though, too, Bryce, it, he doesn't feel himself valued enough in Hannover either. The, the big problem is the, the way Hannover is structured as a club. He wants to have a position on the board. And in Köln, they're offering him a position on the board on top of his sporting director position. And the sporting position on the board is um, in the hands of Martin Andermatt. He is a, a former Swiss national team player who is the sort of the right-hand right man of Martin Kent. And Andermatt has interfered with some of, has tried to interfere with some of Horst Held's work and Held actually almost stepped down ahead of the season. And um, I think... The one way they could keep held at Hannover is by giving him that position on the board and let go of Andermatt to basically say, okay, well, fine. We're going to hand you the club, right? We're going to give you all the decision-making and we're going to finally value you. But at the same time, I think that would be difficult because, you know, if home calls, it's really, really hard to not deny that to someone. Yeah, it certainly is. It's definitely going to have a pull more than the majority of places or clubs. Um, even though they may be in a relegation spot at the moment, it's definitely going to have the pull and may end up there. We'll just have to see how that one pans out. But, Mary, we'll go back to you and we'll just talk about Cologne uh, a little bit. You've seen them midweek, didn't you? They took on Arsenal in the Europa League and managed to come away with a 1-0 win, which is rather unexpected. Uh, how was the game? I thought it was actually really poor, Bryce, to be quite frank. Um, <laughs> I'm sure Cologne will take that. one nil. They will <laughs> take that. In a poor performance, they'll, they'll take yeah. that. And then it's funny because this was the first time I've actually had 
real 90 minutes to completely focus on a game um, that involved Köln. Uh, and a lot of things became quite clear to me on what the issues are. I think what Köln lack, uh, there's, there's been a lot of complaints about John Cordoba and I feel really sorry for him. But when you, when you watch the way they play in that 3-4-3, what they lack is someone who can string them together. There, there seems to be, it seems to be a bunch of uh, individuals playing, trying to work things out. Um, the paths that they're running, then they're, they're never quite clear. There was a couple chances that, for example, where Cordoba would would receive the ball, hold the ball, and then wait for someone to make the run up front, and th that person was usually Osako. And so many times, instead of making the overlapping run, Osako would just run in a straight line into the middle of nowhere. And that just shows to me that the the, the lines of communications aren't there. There isn't someone in midfield who can string them all together. Last season, that was, of course, Matze Lehmann, but Lehmann has been having so many fitness problems that he can't do it. And the other guy that's missing is Jonas Hector, right, the national team player, and he's just... that That is two things that are just lacking. There is... When you see them running across the pitch, you don't... you, you don't see um, a philosophy there. And I, you could say that's coaching, but I don't think it is coaching in this case. There, there, there seems to be... What's lacking is the right kind of players. And um, there has been a lot of criticism of Cordoba, but you can't blame a kid like Cordoba for A, not receiving the right balls, and B, his teammates not making the correct runs. And the other thing that I would have noticed, and this is something that I really noticed today, um, they have a guy like Gorassi, who's basically a one-to-one one -one copy of John Cordoba. So they sometimes they're playing the two together. They're both two big physical strikers. But they both love to hold the ball. And then there's no one that actually finishes what they do. And, and I think that is that is one big issue. Now, against Arsenal, they were fine because Arsenal were even worse than they were, right? So they, they got the result because, you know, one of them actually managed to score a goal. But in the Bundesliga, even against the side, like Hertha, there's, there's been a lot of complaints about Hertha Berlin and how boring they are. But they're very well organized. And so for Hertha, it was very easy to break down this Köln side because... They just they were able to close down uh, the pathways. They were able to close down the attacking line, and then they were able to just break them down with the usual boring play that Kurt had to play. But it, it's so well structured that it just worked for them, and that that is the one thing that I really noticed about Köln in the last two games, in the last 180 minutes that I watched them. Yeah, that's it. They've, they've definitely not made it for entertaining watching, have they? Um, unfortunately, uh, Chris, if, if we just look at the Europa League before we move back to the uh, Bundesliga. That means that Cologne have actually moved up to uh, third in that group. Uh, a very tight group. You've got Arsenal sitting at 10 points. Then you've got Partizan Belgrade with six, or, or Red Star Belgrade, sorry, uh, with six points. Um, Cologne on six and Bit Borisov uh, on five. Do, do you see uh, Cologne managing to get a second spot through to the knockout phase? I think. If they do, it will be um, it'll be horrendous for them. I think they need to drop out of the Europa League and just concentrate fully on uh, Bundesliga survival. Uh, I can't see how getting through to um, you know the, the new year and still having to play at the weekend and midweek is going to do them any luck um, whatsoever to stay in the league. So it would maybe in their best interest to bow out of it. Um, however, can I see them getting through? Potentially, yeah. I mean, obviously, I was there for the Arsenal Red Star game. I'm going to be there for the Arsenal Bait game, obviously, because um, Football Grad Networks covers um, Bait Borisov as well as the 
Cologne game. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I can't see Arsenal putting out an exceptionally strong side. Um, probably similar sort of level to what they put out to Cologne. So I mean, yes, they have they have an opportunity, but I would I would probably err on the side of not doing it if I was um, Petr Stoga. I would want to concentrate purely on uh, Bundesliga. I mean, he might not even have a job there when we come back after the um, midweek break, but uh, sorry, the mid-season break. But if he has got a job, he'll want to concentrate fully on the league. Yeah, Chris, and it was you and I that were just saying that you know, things are looking pretty grim in the league and that they really, well, we say this every week, they, they need to pick up a win and they just they failed to do it once again today, didn't they? Uh, you had an interesting fact actually about uh, Hertha, uh, they hadn't won in was it fifteen away games? Yeah, so they'd only won they'd only won one of their last fifteen away games before um, they won today. So when you are ending that sort of a run um, for somebody, it's not your season, and it just seems to be the same thing that's happening week in week out for Cologne. They're you know getting beat by teams that realistically going on last season and. and you know what we've seen in the past couple of seasons. They should be doing a lot better, um, and they've they've got really good players. You know, they've got Asako Cordoba, as we spoke about. Um, you know, they've got um, Pizarro as well. And I I thought there was I thought they were a good side um, if you take them individually, but together for some reason they just look lost and. It's a transition between the lines where they look lost and then when they seem to go that goal down or it doesn't seem to be going their way, they seem in that spiral of underconfidence, which you know, is going to really affect them. And how do they break free of that? That's Unfortunately, that's up to the coach. It's, it's the head coach that needs to get inside the player's head and, and lift them and lift their performances and work on the elements where they're getting picked apart time and time again. So... You know, I mean, you look at today, if you look at their front three that they started with, is it, you know, they're okay, they're good players, and the four behind them are okay. You've got Lem at the back, you've obviously got Timo Horn, who's in goal, who is a good keeper, and he made a couple of good saves again today, mm. you know, but they were still beaten. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not looking good for them, Bryce. The thing I remember, I think it was match day three, I said if we get through to match day 10 and they haven't won, they'll probably go down, and um, I'm I'm not going to deviate from that line now i think poor old cologne if we get to the midwinter break and they still haven't picked up three points um from a win in the bundesliga i think we can say there that that it's it's done i mean in fact it's the first it's the worst start sorry to a bundesliga season in in years if not record i think yeah yeah they're, they're in real trouble i think before tonight there was still hope because it was only six points right if they had won but now it's it's looking really grim. They think the big thing is too, Chris. They, they have ten injured players right now, so they they stepped at the Jan Oral Bissek, um, who I actually thought was really good in defense, but he was only sixteen years old. And um, the guys that they brought on, you know, <laughs> you know how they have this tradition in German football where they the stadium announcer will say the first name, and then the the crowd will shout back <laughs> the second. Yeah. With one of the players that they brought on, the stadium announcer had to say the full name because no one knew who he was. And that's, um, it's not, it's hard to blame Peter Stöger for that because it's just real unlucky. It's kind of like that freak season that Dortmund had, you know, where they dropped all the way down. It's it's so hard to explain in some ways. And with Köln, it's, um, it's not in his hands, really. You know, because if you have so many injuries to key players, you, you can't, you can't play well. It's impossible. I think Price, mm. the only um, bit of positive that they could take if they're, if they're going to look for any positives um, 
you know, from a defeat. Is that is 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 Bischek, is Jan Bischek, the young lad who's sixteen? So they have got someone there that can step up to first team football at the age of sixteen. So that's that's something they can take away um, from this game, no matter what. That he didn't look completely out of his depth. He didn't look, you know, like it was a step too far for him. He looks like the sort of player who, who can grow and, you know, hopefully um, be given the chance to develop. And if they do drop down, this is the sort of player they need to be bringing in to, to get some game time and hopefully to get them back up the season after. I thought he was really good, actually, Chris. He didn't, the only defensive mistake that they made was Matze Lehmann, right? When he brought down uh, Selke for that for the penalty spot and Bizek. I I looked at the stats. He didn't play a single pass to the opposition. Every pass was perfect, spot on. And playing a three-man defense with a young lad like that, it's impressive. So he had a really good performance. It seems like Cologne are continually having more shots than their opponents, but just can't seem to get goals, which is a bit of a shame. Manu, have you heard anything coming out of uh, Cologne about uh, Peter Stoger's position. Uh, w- will he be there much longer? Obviously, Chris mentioned that it might be that he is off in mm. the winter break uh, for the obvious reasons. Uh, do you see that happening or will they stick with him and maybe go down with him and yeah, I think, rebuild from there? I think they're going to stick with him. I, that's the word in Cologne that they really believe in him and that they believe that you know if they fire him, they won't be able to get a coach like him again. So... That's the one thing I find really amazing about this entire thing. The club has stayed really calm, you know, because they they said, okay, well, we have money. We they they announced just the other day in the Jahreshauptversammlung that they they run a profit again, and they just know, okay, well, I guess if if we drop down and we drop down, it's best to stick with Peter Stöger and just rebuild and go straight back up, hang on to the majority of the players, and uh, do what Freiburg has done for so many years. Just be consistent. You know, Freiburg is a model club that way. When they go down, they would never fire the coach. And uh, Tony Schumacher, he, the vice president, who has a lot of influence at the club, he was at the Doppelpass, the Sport 1 Doppelpass, which is a very big talk show, football talk show in Germany this morning. And he's he said, look, we're trying to just stay calm. Uh, we announced today that there is uh, the 100th member has signed for the club. We... We're making money. We have no more debt. We sell out every single game. Uh, we haven't really done anything wrong. We've just been unlucky. And I think there is a sense that if they fired a coach, they would go back to that, those chaotic times that they had before Stöger and Schumacher and all these guys came in. And so I think they they don't want to risk that. So I can really sense that Stöger gets. Even at the winter break, they might say, okay, well, we have no chance to really stay up. Let's start building. Bring in Horst Held and let's start building a squad that we can take into Bundesliga 2 and then potentially move back up into the Bundesliga and stabilize. Yeah, it mightn't be, a, mightn't be the worst plan at all there, a, a best sensible uh, planning from Cologne but um, let's uh, move away from then and move further up the table we're going to talk a little bit about Bayern and uh, how they've, they've struggled this last week um, haven't they Manu I mean uh, they played to Anderlecht during the week in Champions League managed to win uh, 2-1 but it wasn't it wasn't a great performance really was it oh yeah it was very poor and um I guess it was bound to happen. There's a lot of injured players at Bayern too. And then they lost Thiago and Robin in this game. But um, 
I mean, we've said that now for weeks, right, Chris, that we've never actually seen Bayern being challenged by anyone. The teams, the big teams in Germany, Leipzig challenged them in the Pokal and they were very unlucky to go out. And in the second game, they were given a very early red card and couldn't really challenge Bayern. And Dortmund, um, well, Dortmund were Dortmund. We'll get to them in a moment, I guess. So they haven't really been challenged. And now Anderlecht actually managed to challenge them. And they look poor. And then, of course, Gladbach challenged them on the weekend. And they look poor again. I think that that was bound to happen. There was a real euphoria when when, he when Heinkes came back. And he stabilized. And he was able to talk to the players. But, you know, uh, I they were kind of running on that fuel of euphoria when he came back and every the players were just happy that Ancelotti was gone, the regime was ended. And I think that's kind of run out now and I'm really curious to see how they're going to get through December. There's a big key game coming up against PSG. Yes, it's not for first spot anymore because PSG have pretty much nailed that down. But it's still going to be an important game in terms of where they're standing. And I think the other thing is too, there's going to be a couple sides coming to Munich that play very good cultured football and are tactical, very astute, and could hurt them really badly. And I think that's going to be something very interesting to watch. Chris, are you, are you with Manu and think that maybe the um, the early um, new manager high has, uh, has fizzled a little bit with uh, Bayern? And, uh, well, teams are starting to figure them out a little bit. I agree um, in, entirely. I do agree entirely. I, I don't know if they're being figured out as such or it's that you know as we've said for months maybe not for more than months now it's that Bayern are getting towards the end of that time where all their type of, of excellent players a little bit older and you know we said the back end of last season that they need to reinforce in the summer don't think they did that to the extent that they would have liked to have done they will definitely have to reinforce the summer coming um, so I think it is Bursting of the bubble is probably the wrong word, but the, it's that new manager bounce has definitely started to turn a little. And, you know, Gladbach are an excellent side. We're very worthy of their win. Um, you know, and as as Manu says, they have got a couple of, of games coming up. I mean, we've all seen the Hanover start to the season where they are after that. And Frankfurt can be, well, it can be, it, you don't know what you're getting when you go to Frankfurt. You could get the game of the season or you could just steamroller. Um and then match day 16 looks a little bit of one in the bag unless Cologne can surprise, you know, the whole footballing world at the moment. Um, and then it's another difficult away day at Stuttgart, which is where I'm hoping to be on match day 17. So I think the games that are coming up, they're going to have to really nail down their intention for the remainder of the season in those. If they can, if they drop points um, in the next couple of games, you know, you can see the teams below them, Leipzig, etc., will certainly be buoyed by that. But as it stands at the moment, they, they just... I don't know if I still can't see a Bayern Munich identity on the pitch. And I think that's something that's been lacking since Guardiola left. And, and yeah, and Hankus has, has come in and he's steered the ship back on track. But it's still the same problems that are going to rear up from when Ancelotti was there. Not necessarily with the management style or the coaching style, but the problem they've had with the players and their aging ability. And, and that other teams now just don't seem to be scared of Bayern as they once were. Yeah, I think that is a big factor, Chris. They're not scary. And even the game against Gladbach, you know, you had a real sense before that game that they, that they, Gladbach could walk away with result. And this is the, this is a Gladbach side that lost, uh, 6-1 to, to Dortmund and 5-1 to Leverkusen, right? And really just 
put a string of good results together in the last few games. And I actually tipped 2-1 for Gladbach in my pre-match report. I just want to get that in there. But I had a sense that this is the this is the, the game that Gladbach needed to prove that they are actually a side that's back in the top six in German football. And they did just that. Dieter the Hackings finally found um, a, a recipe to, to get that stability in midfield. Uh, something that, of course, our friend John McKenzie has always complained about with the double pivot that they didn't really quite figure out how to play that. And they, they've gotten that now, right? And it's, it's, um, I think that Gladbach have finally, they, they can be a team that can really hurt the big sides going, going forward. And Bayern, on the other hand, and this, this is this lack of identity. It's just, um, they don't have any, any players that can play on the on the wing right now. When I looked at the potential formation that they had, that the four one four one, they uh, they played Tuliso, Rudi, uh, Vidal, all in midfield, and these are all players that like to go through the center, right? But Heinkes's football has always been wing play, and he doesn't have those players right now. And those two players that does have, they always hurt because they are getting old. Right, so it's this lack of identity and this lack of future vision is something that I think they kind of were able to hide a little bit in the in the first few weeks under Heinkes. And I don't know. I think I think they were running on these fumes, and I think that's kind of gone now. And Chris, um, just to talk about um, Heinkes for a moment, uh, Honors has said uh, recently that he would like him to stay on beyond this season. I mean, it's a bit of a a step in the wrong direction, is it? No, it's it's almost pressing pause or or a wind rather than than fast forward, isn't it? Well, I think Matt Hummels probably knows who's going to replace him, and that's probably why he wants him to stay on. So, um, so yeah, I think Matt Hummels should probably concentrate on playing football and less talking about you know what manager or head coach should be coming in. Yeah, I think uh, you know there was also the statement by Oli Hoeneß, the president, who said, "Oh." Why shouldn't we go on with uh, your pinkers, um and hang on to him? And I, there's a lot of people in Munich that would like to keep going with your pinkers, but your pinkers has said very clearly that he's not going to stay. And I have a feeling too that that your your pinkers, uh, uh, that Hoeneß has said that your pinkers could potentially stay on. That's a distraction to basically get the attention away to the name that we're all expecting to take, take over. And I think uh, Chris um, Matsumus uh, has a certain opinion about the coach who could come in or should is probably going to come in. I've talk, talked to some people today who are quite well connected to Thomas Tuchel and said that that's uh, the very, very likely. Or Well, the void, the, this is not from me personally, but the person I talked to said, when Thomas Tuchel is signing at Bayern in the summer, then uh, they're going to get the best coach in Germany. And I think, uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, Thomas Tuchel is a fantastic coach, and you can see the differences that at, at Borussia Dortmund right now since he's left, and um, what happened under him, and what's going on right now. Uh, it's it's quite fascinating, and I think Bayern München are, are going to do quite well if Thomas Tuchel, you know, once again, this is this person seemed to be quite 
certain it will be Thomas Tuchel. I'm going to still put the if until the paper and the ink tries um, on, on that sentence. But I think Thomas Tuchel, if he takes over Bayern, I think he will do a fantastic job there and he, he will sort out that club. You know, there will be a lots of changes coming. As I hinted before, one of the reasons why Thomas Tuchel did not sign right away is because he was quite clear that it will be the end of Frank Ribéry and Arjen Robben. He will get rid of those players and uh, replace them. And you could imagine the circus, you know, if Thomas Tuchel had signed uh, in October and we all would all have known that it would be the end of Ribéry and Robin by by the, the summertime, but you would still have to work with these players. And I, I can sense that that was probably an obstacle and why they all parties decided to wait a little bit with this with the signing. Well, Hunter has also spoke this week, didn't he, about um, bringing in uh, younger players and focusing on the academy rather, you know, rather than splashing out on on, on big name players. Uh, Chris, if, if if we do see Tuchel come in, do you see him possibly uh, taking some of the uh, previous players that he's worked with uh, to Bayern? Obviously, Bayern have that have the money and pulling power. Would he would he try to go to Dortmund and and poach a few of them? Um, I doubt it. I doubt he would do that. Um, I could only see him trying to pinch those who he desperately wanted. You know, he fell out with a lot of players towards the end of, of the term while he was there, especially if you look at the Pokal final, you know, with the, the fallout he had with Sahin, etc. So I don't know if many would follow him. Um, and I don't think that would be his, his plan there anyway. And, you know, as you've said, um, Bayern need to recruit from within. They were always very good at developing their own players and having Bavarians in the side. So I think that would be one of his key attributes that he's given as, as a challenge to do is to steer Bayern back to the top um, of the Champions League, um, but bring through the next generation of, of big players and, and buy if they had to. But I can't see them going out and, and buying anyone from, from Dortmund. Um, maybe they could go and pick up some of the players from within the league, but he's got elements there that he could work with, Sula, Rudy, etc. Um, so it would be a good signing for me if he was to go. It's, it's whether he does go. We'll have to wait till the end of the season. But whoever goes into Bayern needs to start to get their academy producing excellent players and, and bringing them through. It, it should be one of the best sausage factories for German national players in the entire league. Well, they spent 70 million euros on that academy. It's a lot of money. You know the 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 Bayern Academy. It's it's a gorgeous facility. It's it's huge too. But yeah, seventy million euros. They were saying in the summer, of course, they were they're quite proud of that investment, and they were saying that that was our Neymar. And if you spent that kind of money, you expected to produce, you know, to produce young players. And there's a few in the academy. Um, Yuri, not Yuri Tielemann, sorry, Tielemann, um, is one of them, and. Uh, I can sense that some of them will come come through. Batista Maia, of course, the Brazilian German that's playing in the youth academy, is another big name coming through. And I think it's only going to be a matter of time. And they will need a coach who's willing to play these players. And Thomas Tuchel is exactly that kind of coach. And uh, I I think it makes sense. On the other hand, it is typical Ole Hoeneß. And I'm not certain that this strategy alone will allow Bayern to stay in on the top level in Germany, especially when you look at the likes of Leipzig that are building and going to challenge them. I think in this season already, it's only three points right in the table between the two sides right now, something that we need to talk about as well. And I 
think Leipzig in the long run is really going to challenge Bayern just because of the resources that they have. And of course, internationally, you look at the likes of PSG that are spending a lot of money. I think just youth players is not going to be enough. Um, they, of course, said that they're not going to go after someone like Anton Griezmann. I think that's a big mistake. I think they need to. Um, it, they need to go and sign marquee players. You cannot replace Ian Robben and Franco Berry in the short term by spending 70 million euros on the youth academy alone. And they need to bring in a second striker. They need to buy someone who can back up Robert Lewandowski simply because Robert Lewandowski is going to be 30 years in the, in the spring. And that's an age where you know where he's going to be aging as well. And Thomas Müller, everyone always says, well, Thomas Müller can play there. Thomas Müller is not going to be a 30-goal scorer every season. It's just simply not going to happen. So they need to invest in that. These youth players, the U17, of course, came second. They're not going to be, be able to uh, be world stars next season. So I, I think um, there is a certain hopefulness that Bayern can stay Bayern and that Hoeneß can sort of turn back the clock. I don't think it's going to work, though. Well, just one final note uh, on Bayern. Uh, Sandro Wagner, could he be that uh, second striker that they need? He's been linked with them recently, Chris. I mean, Sandro Wagner, pretty good striker, eh? He'd be, he'd be a good second choice, but would he want to move there ahead of the World Cup? Oh, that's a, that's a great question, Bryce. He would be an excellent choice um, as a backup is whether he wants to play. I mean, we've seen him maybe quiet down a little than if you compare him to last season where he was absolutely flying. But, he's you know, he's still playing well. He's still getting the assists. He's still getting the goals when required. I I personally think he's a very good player. I thought he was um, I thought he was good today, even though uh, Hoffenheim were um, were beaten. I didn't think they were as poor as what the scoreline suggested. But um, he, I think he's ready. He's probably ready for himself to make that challenge up. Um, I don't think he would... If he moved in the summer, would it affect his ability to play in the national side? I mean, we've talked at length, haven't we, that you know Joachim Love could pick three different sides um, or three starting 11s um, and he could win a World Cup with all of them. So it's 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 whether he gets in there anyway. Um, if he's at Bayern Munich, that may carry a little bit more weight. It may not carry a little bit more weight. That's he needs to look a little bit further than that. This is going to be the last World Cup he plays in and you know he's going to be playing league football week in, week out for the remainder of his career. So if I was him and it was offered, I, I would jump at the chance to join Bayern. Yeah, Hoeneß said today that um, it's unlikely to going to happen because Hoffenheim is asking for too much money. So, And I think this is, this is typical Hoeneß too. You know, we see strikers of Wagner's caliber changing clubs for 30, 40 million euros and Hoeneß has offered 10 million euros to, to Hoffenheim. I can see why Hoffenheim is saying no, but thanks. Uh, I think that's, it's, there's a, there's, it's a funny, it's a, there's something funny going on at Bayern right now that they, 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 I have a feeling they're trying to turn back the clocks a little bit and it's not quite working. Well, guys, I feel um, after all that Bayern talk, we really need to talk about Borussia Mönchengladbach. Gladbach. Side have went up to fourth in the table, um, picking up 10 out of their last possible 12 points. And yeah, in the late kickoff, they beat Bayern Munich 2-1. Uh, Chris, just how good were Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach? And, you know, I feel that, yes, everyone's talking about the downfall of Bayern, but um, we really need to talk about how good they've actually been this season. 
Yeah, they have good. They were very good bright when I went to see them pre-season when they played over at Leicester City. Um, I thought they were good then. They were a good value for, for their play. I think they've got some great some great players within their squad. I mean, we've I love Stindl. I like Raphael. Hazard is, you know, obviously an excellent player and comes from a caliber of excellent players, but it's the guys at the back as well. You know, uh, Vestergaard, Ginter is even, you know, chipping in with goals now. Um, Vent's been there. Kramer's picked up an injury, which is um, hopefully not going to be too bad. I think um, <laughs> what was worse for Gladbach is that... Um, Janschka, who came on, also picked up an injury. That's exceptionally bad luck. Um, but Manu mentioned earlier about the double pivot that you know John McKenzie, who we all know very well, has talked a lot about. And um, in Dennis Akira, and when they did have Prama playing, I think that's a good pair in there, and that's done them well so far this season. And you do in in any league in any country, you don't get to you know be in the top four, top five, top six without. Um, they're on merit I mean and they're there on fourth and it's a very strong league and we spoke earlier in the season how we expected the likes of Gladbach, Schalke and Leverkusen to be a lot more improved than they were last season and that's shown to form already with you know Gladbach sitting in fourth, Schalke um, in third and Leverkusen up to sixth so the traditional bigger three teams that fell out of the contention last season have definitely come back with a bang and I, I only think it's not much of a surprise. It's more of a, a reassurance that the league is back to its healthy best again. Yeah, most certainly. Manu, do you see uh, Gladbach being able to push for not just a European spot, but possibly be able to push on for a, a Champions League spot? I think it all depends on what's going to happen in Dortmund, to be honest. Um, well, we've got plenty to talk about that in a minute. Uh, yeah. but, uh... I see... I see... I see right now the, the the Bayern Leipzig Schalke will finish in a Champions League spot, and then it will really depend on Dorp, what's going to happen in Dortmund and my friends in Leverkusen um, that have been slowly but surely climbing up the table. They're now in sixth, and they they're in that Champions League reach now too. And I think that um, right now, I think it really squad wise, I think Dortmund are probably still the second best team in Germany. But, I mean, obviously there's so many issues there right now that it really depends on what how they're going to solve them. And if Dortmund continue to struggle, I could see one or two teams finish ahead of them. And then maybe, yeah. And keep in mind, this year um, all the four teams go straight to the Champions League group stage, right? Because of the Champions League reform. So I, 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 could, I could see him do it, but... I, I want to put an asterisk on it because I, I, it all depends on what's going to happen in Dortmund. Yeah, and if we actually look at Bayer Leverkusen, just um, even though we haven't really got time to go into them, they actually haven't lost in nine, which is quite impressive in the league. But um, guys, let's talk about uh, Borussia Dortmund. Uh, the Riviera Derby uh, took place this weekend, uh, which meant that, yes, Dortmund took on Schalke. Chris, you had predicted it to be 2-1. I had predicted it to be, that was to Schalke. Uh, 2-0 to Schalke, and Manu had predicted a win to Dortmund. Well, none of us were right. It was a draw. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was almost it, right for the first 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 that, that's true. But then I, I suppose any of us could have uh, came out with a, a, a win to either side. It was 4-0 after 20 minutes uh, to Dortmund, and we all thought it was done and dusted, and that they were back. Oh, how things went badly. It ended up four apiece uh, with a goal right at the end for Schalke. Um, 
I mean, we, we talked about this uh, before we came on air, didn't we, uh, Manu, that uh, a 1-1 or, or maybe even a 2-2 would be fine. Dortmund probably would have uh, enjoyed that result. But this draw is seen almost almost worse than a loss, isn't it, after giving away a, a 4-0 uh, lead? Yeah, I know, and especially, Bryce, when you think about it, Aubameyang at 4-0 has a chance to put that game away. And then it's 5-0. And no one ever comes back. And I think what makes it even worse is that um, as great as Schalke's comeback was, Thilo Kera should have been sent off with a red card. And I don't mean a second yellow, so I mean a straight red card for the ball against uh, Nuri Shaheen, right? I think things would have been very different. But even then, even then, you do not give away a 4-0 lead. And then, of course, Aubameyang sending off... Um, Reckless, stupid, mindless. Um, I think it all kind of, it all kind of plays into it. So it's it's kind of weird because I've seen seen this happen once, and this was to the the German national side on the run up to the World Cup, and it actually helped that German team a lot going forward. That four zero where they were up four zero against Sweden, and then um, in the end it ended up with a four four draw. And Germany took a lot away from this game, and uh, really, actually, maybe that that result turned him into a world champion in the long run. Uh, I'm not sure the same will happen here in Dortmund. It seems I tweeted out a picture of the Titanic sinking, and I, that's because that's how I feel. That's the general mood I I sense in Dortmund right now. It seems um, a bit uh, like the end of the world, and you know when you see the Schalke players. You, the Santo, he tweeted out a, a video um, of all the players celebrating. They were celebrating like they won the championship after this game. And I think that really mirrors the mood in the two camps right now. Yeah, things are, are pretty bleak in, in Dortmund. Um, Chris, we, we've spoke, haven't we, that you know, if, if results didn't change quickly, that Peter Bosco could possibly um, have to move on. I, I mean, is this going to be the final nail in the coffin? Well, I read a report midweek where he said himself he had two games to save his Dortmund career and they were against um, Tottenham and Schalke. And although they drew on the last one, you can say this is as worse as a loss for me. If you're 4-0 up at half-time and in total control, which they were, um, then to lose it second half. I mean, maybe you should give, or we should give, um, a lot of credit to... Um, Tedesco because he made some tactical changes um, at the right time. I think a few coaches may have waited till halftime, but he he brought them on. Um, He made his tactical changes just before halftime. And I can only imagine what the score would have been had he gone with those that he brought on originally. I thought the the young American lad, Weston McKenney, I thought... You know, he picked up an early yellow card very, very early on, on three minutes, and he sort of was was lost after that. And I think his his immaturity, and he used that in regards to his age, not his um, his attitude. His immaturity in years um, singled him out as someone that was going to get sent off, and obviously brought um, Gutzecker on, who I think changed that middle in the second half himself and showed what an excellent player he was. And I think you could you could tell at four two that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. 4-1, you know, 
4-1, Berkstahler scores a great header. Um, our man Guido Berkstahler, who we've championed from, you know, the day he moved to Schalke as, as a good player, he scores a great goal. But then to score, um, you know, seconds or minutes later, there's, there's as it stands on the um, scorecard, it's 61 and 65. But, you, you know, we, we round minutes up within football to goals on that. Um, there's a little bit less in, in truth on that. And once that second goal goes in, and they've in essence got two and three and a half minutes, um, you can feel it, and there's there's a little there's a little area where Dortmund have got some chances, but as soon as Aubameyang is sent off, for what is what is a stupid foul? Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's absolutely no need for him to make the challenge where he's done. It's a petulant foul, and he's sent off. And it was round about 72 where Dortmund had got themselves back in, and they potentially could have looked like they could have gone on and, and maybe got a winner um and scored that fifth one to make it 5-2 and I don't think Schalke would have come back from that but instead what happens is um Aubameyang gets sent off um and then Castro comes on and is picks up a yellow card instantly so he's on a referee's radar so then he's got to get take his foot off the gas a little bit and then all of a sudden Schalke get the balance of play back in and they go up and they you know um Caliguri scores a late goal on 86 and as soon as that goal went in I was watching it with my son and I said this is a draw that's got a draw written all over it um you know and it wasn't and Naldo scores a fantastic header um and I think Dortmund will be crying because it's almost a copycat goal of um the one that puts them out of the Europa League last season where you know they get a little bit um they get a little bit weak and a little bit conscious of what's going on around them and they collapse and you know it's it's um it's bad. Sorry, it was two seasons ago, wasn't it, when they went mm. out when they were the Europa League? But it, it's a similar, and I don't know. It shows that there's a mental strength that's missing because at four two, Aubameyang's a big game player. Um, he should know what can happen at a very crucial time. I mean, and that is a crucial time. It's seventy two minutes. It's probably the most crucial time of the game. Um, it's gone. It's gone to four-two very quickly from four-nil, and he should have the wherewithal to be looking to not disenfranchise his team by getting sent off. He should be looking to be one of the big characters to drive it on, but he doesn't. He slips. Um, you know, he slips and he out of character, and he gives away, as I said, a stupid foul. But from then on in, um, it, it's not good for Bosch. So I don't know what happens this week. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. Um, but I think it all it's all key on who they brought in. And they tried desperately to get Lucien Favre last season, didn't they, and didn't get him. Um, and then Bosch is not second to that, but he, he wasn't their first choice. And now whether that starts to well on everybody's mind, especially Mr. Vasquez's mind, um, can he go out and get Lucien Favre to bring him in? But something needs to happen at Dortmund because, you know, the players looked, looked done at the end. Um, you know, and there's a massive fight towards the end of the match as well, and that just shows how how frustrated they were and and how happy Schalke were. But to to be four nil up against your arch rivals, your arch enemy from round the corner, and to drop four goals in you know second half, which is probably as worst as they played all season, and I've seen them play some horrendous football this season. But the last fifteen twenty minutes of that game was atrocious. Yeah, actually, Chris, I got news on Peter Bosch. So I talked to someone who's very close to the club and um, he has the Bayer Leverkusen game to turn things around. If he loses in Leverkusen, that's it. It's game over. And um, the way they've been playing, there's no way they're going to beat Bayer Leverkusen. It's really interesting. Some of the things that you hear too is fitness 
the the I think he's known as the Dutch Egg in England. Um, he is involved with the fitness. Oh, Raymond Van Houten. Yes, that guy. He's uh, he they call him the white egg on a orange background in Germany, and um, he does the training control of Peter Bo for Peter Bosch. And fitness has been a big issue. Uh, of course, Van Huyten believes in less is more, right? Apparently, that doesn't quite work. So I think there's a big fitness issue. And um, the word is, of course, that Peter Bosch will be gone if he doesn't beat Bayer Leverkusen. They will bring someone in. Of course, the big issue is there is no one available because he was he was their fourth choice in the summer. So number one choice was Julian Nagelsmann. They couldn't get him, right? Uh, Lucien Favre wasn't available. And Peter Stöger stayed in Köln. And then it, they ended up with Peter Bosch. And a big problem too is, and you've seen this time and time again, Dutch coaches, they really struggle with German football. And the, the, the reason for that is that they're very, um, what we call in German, beratungsresistent. They're not very good at taking advice from others. And he's not flexible enough with his tactics. And I think that his football, as wonderful and beautiful it is, it doesn't fit the Bundesliga because Bundesliga is so strong. The Bundesliga is so strong when it comes to physical elements. No league in Europe has higher ratings when it comes to sprints, when it comes to running. Those are very important factors. And you won't be able to, no matter how good your philosophy is and how good your style and how beautiful it is, those are basics that you need to be able to to comprehend when you play football in Germany. And if they if they don't exist, you lose. And I think this side, this Borussia Dortmund side, and was dead after the 60th minute. There was nothing there on the pitch anymore. They were empty. They were gone. You know. And this has been a case now for for weeks. And um, that makes it really difficult, I think. And I think this could this could set um, an avalanche because Watzke and Zorg fired Tuchel, a coach who was very good, you know, the second coached him to this best second place finish in the history of German football. And they let him go and they hired Peter Bosch and it really backfired on them. And I think they will have they will have to justify this to their fans and they will also they will also likely have to find a coach who can do better and that's going to be very difficult. Well can I just ask uh, I'll put a, a few questions to the both of you. We see now Bayern Munich. Uh, they obviously got rid of Ancelotti, brought in uh, Heinkes, uh to do them till the end of the season, possibly longer. But it looks like the end of the season until Tuchel comes in. Could Borussia Dortmund possibly do the same thing? Just bring someone in, maybe an ex-player, an ex-coach, or or someone that would do a short-term job. If so, who would that be? And is it a possibility to get their number one choice from last summer, Nagelsmann? This summer coming i mean are these possibilities chris oh to bring in julian nagelsman i don't think he would look um at that in a positive light at the moment i mean he's flying with hoffenheim isn't he if you look at what he's done in such a short time um he's got the ability to build something there um and he may look as in that thomas tuchel wasn't given the ability to build something and then peter bosch has come in and has had a horrendous time and has been given the short shrift if i'm a young coach and i've seen you know, two coaches come and go in as many seasons probably would hang on um, in my current job. And do they bring someone in? That's 
the good one. But if they if they get rid of Bosch, then they'll have to go all out for for whoever they have in mind. And you know, maybe that's what they might be doing this week um, is seeing who they can bring in. Because I like Manu, I can't see them beaten by Leverkusen this weekend. Leverkusen have been excellent. Um, Dortmund haven't been the best travellers either, um, especially of late. And you don't know how the players are feeling. The players look a bit unhappy. So if they know that, you know, we've seen players at many clubs throughout many leagues throw games um, in order to get rid of their manager. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was a ham. Yeah, we'll just have to see how the next week pans out. But things do not look good for Peter Boss and his men. Guys, that more or less does it uh, for this week. Uh, Manu, I'm sure you've got plenty going on. But uh, what would you like to draw people's attention to? Or where can they find you on the likes of Twitter? Yeah, people can follow me at Twitter at ManuelWeff. And yeah, I'm at the Fortuna Düsseldorf Dynamo Dresden game tomorrow. So if you listen to this podcast and you you want to hang out and uh, just flag me down, that's that's fine. Just, like, just come and say hello. Um, there's going to be a match report on that. And then, of course, um, I have a couple of stories on the line. I want to write something on Basel, uh, the club that is. And then, uh, of course, we're going to closely follow what's going on at Borussia Dortmund. So yeah, plenty coming um, at, the, at Football Grad Live. Yeah, very exciting game for you tomorrow as well because Dusseldorf can actually go top of the league. They'll be passing uh, Holstein Kiel, so quite quite entertaining there. Um, Chris, uh, what have you got going on this week? You're always busy as well. What what would you like to draw people's attention to? Well, I have been quite quiet um, recently on social media. You can catch me on Twitter at Chris78Williams. You can find me there. Um, I'll be doing all the imagery for Football Grab this week for the games coming up. So, um, yeah, just keep an eye on there if you want to catch me. Some fantastic images too. Fantastic stuff. Really good stuff. Yeah, you're never that quiet, Chris. Since Manu, you're always busy as well. The Football Grad Network's always busy, isn't it? So there's going there's to be plenty coming out. Guys, so if you want to go to uh, Twitter and follow at Football Grad Live, there'll be plenty of content uh, on there. Um, thanks for joining us. If, if you could head over to uh, iTunes, uh, we'd really appreciate it if you just take a second to uh, rate us or give us some uh, positive feedback on there. Uh, that'd be much uh, appreciated. Uh, if you want to follow me, uh, Bryce Dunn on Twitter. You can find me at Bryce Dunn 11. Apart from that, well, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Next week, we could be talking about a few managerial changes. But let's see what happens. I'll beat us in. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.